And you're going to leave this place leaving with something that you need to hear that's going to impact your faith journey. And I want to jump straight into the message. I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. I know this is a familiar verse, a familiar passage of scripture, uh, that many of you heard this verse or heard this text before, but I was praying about this message over the last couple of weeks, and God just kept telling me, so many of us in this generation, we're around the things of God, but we truly don't believe that God has something that he wants to do in us and through us. We come to church, we worship, we go to small group, we get around people and do all of the spiritual things. But at the end of the day, we miss out on the simple fact that there is something that God wants to do in you and through you in this life. And I want to use Jeremiah 29 to kind of be the base of our time today. And it's an important text uh, if you read it in context. And we're going to read these verses on the top. And we're going to jump straight in. It says this, Jeremiah 29, this is the word of the Lord. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon... I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know what's so funny about this text? Um, I was praying, Lord, like, wh where do you want us to land to close out this series? As we close out this series, The Ways of God. And yesterday, Michelle and I, we uh, were taking our daughter uh, to the doctor. Our, one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, her name is Harlan, and uh, she has this shirt that she loves to wear. And on this shirt, it says, God has a great plan for me. God has a great plan for me. And as I was looking at my daughter, I love that she loves this shirt. But the problem is, my daughter, she is the, in the 90th growth percentile for her age. And she's had this shirt for about eight or nine months, okay? And this shirt is now a belly shirt. And over the past couple weeks, I feel like Harlan has just been so attached to this shirt, but she doesn't want to break up with this shirt. So sure enough, my daughter, she's out wearing this belly shirt. But I just felt like God was speaking through my daughter saying, that's the word that people need. They need a simple and gentle reminder that I have a specific plan and a purpose for them in this life. And you know what's so interesting about this is, like I said, so many of us, we get around the things of God, the people of God. We want to worship God. But we don't know what it is that God has purposed or planned or called us to do in this life. See, so many of us, we find ourselves in this place where we're asking God the question persistently. God, what's your plan for my life? God, what's your plan for my life? And so many of you get deflated. You get discouraged because you feel like God's not revealing his plan for your life. Not only do some of us find ourselves in this place where it doesn't feel like God's revealing his plan for our life. Some of us, we get upset or angry with God because we feel like God is disrupting our plans for our life. I was thinking about this the other day. I remember when I was a kid, and maybe you experienced this moment. Uh, you'd have plans for your weekend. Go hang out with your friends. For me, I was like, I'm going to go hang out with this chick, you know, go to the movies or something. Michelle, don't judge me. But I, I was a guy that always had a plan going into the weekend. And I remember I continuously found myself having to fight back against the plans that my parents had for me. I come home on a Friday. My dad's like, well, hey, son, we're going to grandma's house this weekend. I'm like, no, you're going to grandma's house this weekend. I've got plans. And after a while, I just got tired of hearing from my father. 
hey, this is what we're doing. And I go, no, 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 this is what I'm doing, Dad. And how many of you know when you retort to your parent like that, oh, it's got some consequences. And I think so many of us in this generation, we find ourselves experiencing hardship in our life, not because God didn't have a plan for you, but you were so caught up telling God your plan for yourself. And I just believe that we've got to be a generation that if we want to walk in the ways of God and the will of God, we got to get in alignment with what God's plan is for our life. See, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it's one of the most memorized, most spoken of verses. You can find it on a mug. You can find it on a T-shirt. You can find it on a hat. You can find it just about anywhere. But this is one of the most out of context or the verses that many people in the Christian body take out of context. You see, the people of Israel, they find themselves in a peculiar time. They're exiles in a land under uh, the Babylonians. And as they're finding themselves exiled under the rule of the Babylonians, they're probably experiencing some of the most challenging parts and points of their life. See, many people in this day and age believe that it was 5 million plus people in the nation of Israel that found themselves trapped in Babylon. Being literally put to the sword. They found themselves in a place of suffering. They found themselves in a place of hardship. They found themselves scattered, mothers removed for their daughters and their sons. And people didn't know who was who, but at the end of the day, they just thought it was better off dying in this place. But I love the kindness of God because God, in the midst of what they're walking through, God says, hey, I have a plan for you. Just how, I wonder how relevant is that for some of us in this room today? We've been questioning, God, what is your plan for my life? Do you have a plan for my life? If you have a plan for my life, why is all of this happening? But God, even in the midst of your depression, even in the midst of your worry, even in the midst of your anxiety, he says, I still have a plan for you. I still have a plan for you. And it's a plan that's going to point you to hope, and it's going to be a plan that points you to a greater and better future. And trust me, I know as you experience hardship here on earth, it's really, really challenging to believe that truth. But can I tell you, you may not experience the hope, you may not experience the plan or the promise or the fulfillment on this side of the cross, but there is a greater conclusion to the story, and it is life with Jesus for all of eternity. That's the plan. So many of us, we we keep on going, well, what is the plan on this side of the cross? And I'm here to tell you the truth, that if you continue to seek God faithfully and consistently, he will reveal it to you. See, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I've got to jump around because I've got literally 10 minutes. I love that the Lord speaks to them in his challenging moments. And he tells them exactly how they can find out the plan that he has for them. See, I mentioned Harlan a moment ago, but Harlan, she's at a, another fun stage in life because as a toddler, she thinks one of the funniest things is to hide things from her mother and I. It's not fun. It's really testing your boy's salvation, okay? The other day, uh, trying to leave for work, and I'm, where's my car keys? Can't find my car keys. Other day, I'm looking for my AirPods. Can't find my AirPods. Looking for the TV remote. Can't find the TV remote. So I go, Michelle, you need to stop touching my stuff. And Michelle looks at me and goes, you need to stop losing your stuff. Lo and behold, what I didn't realize is my daughter had a stash of things underneath her crib. 
So now, whenever I'm missing something, who do I go to? Harlan. And I thought about that the other day. I just thought, isn't that such a picture of how you and I should live our lives with the Lord? Like, I, I love this idea that God isn't a God that's sitting on a throne in heaven, laughing at us when we're in search of what he has for us in this life. I love the idea that God is seated on his throne, delighting in what his, when his children are truly seeking what he has for them in this life. You notice when you read Jeremiah 29 verse 11, many of us skip over this. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. What we don't realize is the Lord's saying, I know the plans that I have for you, but I'm not just going to roll out a scroll and tell you here are the plans. What he tells us in verse 12 through 14 is how we can find what the plan is. And I just want us to be practical. I want to spend 11 minutes giving you some practical application as to how you can find God's plan for your life. Number one, it's this. If we want to know God's plan for our life, we need to call on God in prayer. We need to call on God in prayer. Verse 12, it says, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. But I love how Eugene Peterson says this in the message paraphrase. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And I always like looking at this paraphrase because he makes it simple. He says, God says to the people of Israel, when you call on me and when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. And when you come looking for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. For this is God's decree. I'll begin to change things. I'll begin to turn things around. I'll, I'll begin to bring you clarity and direction and vision. I will begin to reveal my plan for your life. So friends, number one is this. If we want to walk in God's plan for our life, number one is this. We've got to call on God in prayer. We've got to call on God in prayer. I was looking at two stories in the book of Acts the other day, and it just kind of caught my attention. In Acts chapter 1, it's an interesting moment because the disciples are uh, really trying to advance the gospel. They're trying to figure out how do we advance the gospel in this specific region. You see, in this moment, Judas, he betrayed Jesus. He ends up killing himself. Judas was one of Jesus' followers, one of his disciples, one of the men that were called by God to advance the gospel. But he ends up killing himself because of his shame. So now the disciples are trying to figure out, well, who's going to fill Judas's responsibility? And in Acts chapter 1, what we realize is the disciples are sitting amongst one another, the scriptures tell us. They go up to the upper room, and the Bible tells us as they're seated in the upper room, the upper room was a place they encountered God. They began to pray. They began to pray and ask God for wisdom and direction as to who they are called to instate. And if you read Acts chapter 1 verse 24, the Bible tells us as they were praying, the Lord spoke to them. Just feel like so many of us go, I I'm not hearing from God. Why can't I hear from God? Can I tell you, have you checked your prayer life? H have you checked your, your prayer life? Like, what are you praying and how are you praying? I think some of us, we get so caught up praying passive prayers. Like, God, I just want you to show up in my situation. No, what's your situation? God, would you, would you change? No, what do you want him to change? I think God's waiting on a generation that's not praying passive prayers, but persistent, bold prayers. Think about this moment 
Fast forward a couple moments later, Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says, while the disciples were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. I want you to see that. While the disciples were what? Worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. See, some of us not only need to get to a place where we're praying persistent prayers, some of us need to worship God even while we're waiting for God. Got to start worshiping the Lord. God, I'm believing you for clarity, but things don't seem to be clear. But God, instead of worry, I'm going to turn to worship. God, I'm not going to question you. I'm, I'm going to worship you even as I wait. But what else does it says, say? It says they fasted. Really quick, just trying to mature our faith. Some of us, we've forgotten about the power of fasting. I'll go as far as saying that fasting is the forgotten and neglected spiritual discipline in this generation. If you want to see God move in your life, friends, you got to start fasting. And when you hear fasting, oftentimes you, you just think, oh, don't eat? How's that going to get me closer to God? Can I tell you, there is something important and impactful about starving your flesh so you could be fed by God's spirit. Got to start pushing back the plate maybe. Got to start taking some time to say, you know what, I'm going to set aside some things. And fasting isn't always about food. Sometimes you got to fast specific foods. Sometimes you got to say, you know what, I'm going to take time away from social media. I'm going to take time away from going to specific places and hanging out with specific people. I'm going to silence the noise of the world so I could be filled with the voice of God. And watch as you begin to fast how God starts speaking to you clearly. Got to start fasting. Got to start worshiping. Got to start desiring more and more of God. I love how it says it in the message translation, Acts chapter 13, verse 2. One day as they were worshiping God, they were fasting as they waited for guidance. And the Holy Spirit said, you want guidance for your life? Try fasting. Maybe physically you, you can't fast because you have a medical condition or something taking place in the background of your life. Maybe the answer for you is to fast something else. Fast social media, fast video games. Some of you fellas, you actually need to fast video games. I'm going to say no to the things of the world so I can be filled with the things of God. Second thing I want you to know is if we want to walk in God's plan for our life, we've got to seek God through his word. We've got to seek God through his word. Jeremiah 29, verse 12, it continues. It says, when you seek me, you will find me. And when you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. I wrote it down in my journal very simply. God speaks when we seek. God speaks when we seek. And one of the ways that God speaks to us is through reading his word. It's by filling ourselves with the word of God. I love reading the Psalms. In Psalm 119, it says this in verse 105, that your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I just want you to think, if this room were to be pitch black, you would have no guide. You would have no reference point. You wouldn't know how to make yourself or move around in this space. But if you had light on your feet, 
you'd be able to move forward in confidence. Perhaps some of us find ourselves in a place where we're lacking confidence as to what God wants us to do. Can I tell you, you can find your confidence not in the world, but in the word of God. Perhaps we've got to be a generation that turned back to his word and put aside the things of the world. Psalm 63, the psalmist says, oh God, you are my God. An early Lord will I seek you. My soul, it thirsts for you. My flesh, it longs for you in a dry and thirsty wasteland where there is no water. See, the psalmist, he finds himself in desperation. The psalmist finds himself in a place of brokenness. And he's probably saying, I've tried all the things of the world, but nothing truly satisfies my soul like you, Lord. Nothing truly is satisfying my soul, O oh God. But then he's brought back to his senses that it's the Lord that can satisfy his soul. You know how we got to be reminded that the Lord satisfies our soul? By reading his word. By spending time with him. By connecting with his heart. So many of you go, I don't feel like I'm hearing from God. His word speaks. That's why the Bible says his word is alive. It's active. It, it speaks to you. It meets you exactly where you are. You want to find out God's plan for your life got to spend time in his word. The third thing I want you to know is if you want to walk in God's plan for your life, we have to seek God with the people of God. We have to seek God with the people of God. Just a moment ago, singing these songs and see so many people kneeling down. Because truly you're making a decision on February 6th of 2024 to say, God, I'm surrendering. But I'm here to tell you it's it's not a one-stop shop. It, it's a journey. You're going to continue to have to surrender things. But can I tell you, you're so much more likely to find your freedom if you're not journeying alone, but if you're journeying with other people. See, if you want to run the race that God has set before you, you need some other people to come alongside of you. You've got to seek God with the people of God. And that's why here at The Exchange, we say we're not a crowd, but a community. We're not a crowd, but a community. We believe that we're called to do life together. Why? Because we go farther together. We go farther together. And I know this is a simple message for us today. It's kind of cliche, like God disrupted my plans. But I truly do believe it's the most simple things in the Christian journey that we lose sight of. And so often we find ourselves going, I don't know how the heck I ended up here. Perhaps you lost sight of what you were doing at first when you first fell in love with Jesus. I think about this moment in Jeremiah chapter 1, or maybe it's in Jude chapter 2, where the Lord speaks to the prophet, and he says, my people have lost sight of the love that they had for me at first. It's not a, re a reference to Revelation. I know what I'm talking about. But he says, my, my people, they've lost sight of their love, their respect, their reverence, their awe, and their wonder. And I just thought about this as I was coming up here. I think when we're trying to grow in our faith, we hear a message like this and go, well, tomorrow morning I need to open up the Bible and I just need to read the Bible. Can I tell you, reading the Bible is not about filling your mind, but rather allowing God to transform your heart. And I think so often we as a generation, we get so caught up on doing work for God that we lose the wonder and awe of God. Just want to be busy. I gotta gotta pray, so I'm just gonna give God lip service. Gotta read His word, so I'm just gonna get through my devotional in the morning. So 
how you lose your wonder. It's how you lose your awe. Instead of it feeling like delight, it feels like a duty. And I just believe that you and I, friends, the call for us, the challenge for us tonight is to get back to a place where we're in awe and wonder of God. I just believe the call for this generation is to get back to a place where we go, God, I love you. God, I thank you for who you are. God, you don't have to do anything else for me in this life. I love you, God, simply because you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. See, my friends, as I close today, my thought for you would be this. Yes, God has a plan for you. But you will never know God's plan for you unless you surrender your life to Jesus. You'll never understand God's plan for your life until you surrender your life to Jesus. You know, I'll share a bit of my story another day, but I grew up in the church my whole life. Grew up around the things of God, the people of God. Felt like as a kid I had real experiences and encounters with Jesus, which I'm sure they were. But it wasn't until the age of 15, where I was probably at the lowest point of my life ever, battling negative thoughts, questioning, why do I even exist? My sister was going through physical sickness in her body. My parents' divorce was, or my parents' marriage was falling apart, soon to result in divorce. On top of that, one of my closest friends decided to take his life. And one of the most painful things was knowing the reason why he took his life was because someone told him that there was no plan or purpose for him in this life. He wrote it on a note, left it there for his mother, and went out back and took his life. Just look at a room of, I don't even know how many people are in the room today. I just know there's one person in this room today that you believe the lie that it's better for you to take your life because you don't feel like there's a plan or a purpose for you in this life. I want you to know, God wants to set you free. He wants you to break up with the lie. He wants you to take him at his word. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know who you are, but I know that God is knocking on your heart right now. He's knocking on your heart. He's saying there's a plan and a purpose that I have for you in this life. And I want to set you free. 
See, when I look back on my life at the age of 15, 16 years old, and I was questioning, well, what could be God's plan and purpose for my life? Because I found myself in the lowest point of my life, and I thought like it was just easier to give up. God knocked on my heart and told me there's so much more that I have for you than you can even think or imagine. You need to surrender your life to me. If you're in the room today and you're saying, I've yet to surrender my life to Jesus, I would challenge you to go and be reminded that the Bible says today is the day of salvation. To surrender your life to Jesus is to recognize that you're in need of a Savior. You're in need of a Savior. See, the Bible says each and every one of us were dead in our sins, but Jesus Christ, He makes us alive. Because Jesus, He came. He lived the life that you and I couldn't live. And he died on a cross so we could be made free. If you're in the room today and you're saying, I want a relationship with Jesus, nobody's looking around, would you just raise your hand? You're saying, I want to be set free today. I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in the plans and the purpose that God has for me in this life. surrender my life to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. The team's going to come up here. They're going to give you some next steps. I see your hands. You can put your hand down. So the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. 